0: The lights because it's time for another edition of the Box Office Preview Podcast, an Onstage Blog Podcast Network production. I am your host, Greg Earhart, contributor to Onstage Blog and On Screen. Joining me today, my co-host. His one-star reviews also have to be registered as Lethal Weapons in 39 states. It's on-screen <laughs> chief critic Ken Jones. Ken, how are you? Welcome. I'm good. Uh, I have no response to that. There is none because it's it's your burden that you have to deal with, you know, as as you travel the country. Well, um, not a burden in the box office is Lion King uh, this past weekend. Um, Disney's flexing its muscles once again. Lion King delivered $191.8 million box office. Um, which again was right in the middle of the range uh, that Disney was. Disney officially was conservatively predicting 150. I don't think anybody thought no. they're going to do that low. Uh, the range was you know in the 170 to even as high as 230, but it was the you know, 170 to 210 range, and 191 is pretty much square in the middle of that. Uh, Ken, you predicted 183, 182. And I predicted 193, so I get the victory on that one. And, um, yeah. That's a proud victory for me, coming within a million, 1.2 million for that. Uh, and this week, uh, this week we have quite a different type of movie coming out. We have an event film, and it's Quentin Tarantino's ninth, uh, ninth. Uh, I mean, according to the official Hollywood Records, his ninth movie, arguably his eighth or tenth, depending on how you count Kill Bill or the Grindhouse movies or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is so Quentin Tarantino, so we have once upon a time in Hollywood starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. Um, as with there's only a few directors left where we can say this from. It stars It stars the actors, but the director's really the star here, at least at least one of the stars. Um, he's one of, I think, four directors still that sells the movie by itself. Um, Tarantino being one, I think. Uh, Christopher Nolan's the other I think Jordan Peel is the third now and I think the fourth is still Martin Scorsese um I was gonna put Spielberg in that list but I, I, just, can't, so, yeah. I just can't do it at this point wow. he, Spielberg kind of eh, he's, he's played it a little safe lately and I, I just don't know if he turns it out like he used to um I mean, maybe it takes a very different type of movie. I don't know if people are going to say, oh, it's Spielberg. i got to see it in the way they used to back in the day. But that's that's really for another discussion. That's um, fair. Yeah. So Tarantino is famous for saying he's going to direct 10 movies, and that's it. This is number nine. So the countdown, the quote-unquote countdown, is on. Ken, uh, how, where you stand on Tarantino as we head into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, I'm a giant
1: fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> I love like he hasn't made a bad movie, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it, you can you can debate some of the quality of you know some of them, uh, but even even like his quote unquote worst movie to me is still you know pretty good.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree except for hatefully, um, I. Again, I feel like that movie is an hour too long, um, in it, which is strange because I usually love – every movie is very long, between two and a half and three hours, and I love every second of it. And I almost wish they were longer. Uh, I think that one was, I think, too long and took away from from the movie. But I know I know what you mean. I mean, even if it's not good, it's still better than 70% yeah.
1: <laughs> of the movie. You know, you know uh, speaking of The Hateful Eight, they, there's a uh, – I, I think they put an re- extended version of it on Netflix – and and broke it up into like uh two or three episode um yes uh, that's right thing um, that's right I don't, yes. I don't know what's called, but. oh yeah because
0: it definitely needed another <laughs> half hour or so so we, <laughs> we, we, why not we need we I, okay. I hope i hope the extra scenes was all still in the wagon uh leading up to the cabin because we <laughs> really, we really needed a lot more time on that and the travel to the cabin hey
1: so. you know what if he's only doing ten movies and then he's stopping, twenty years from now you're gonna be wishing that there were more extended scenes in more Tarantino. Right.
0: Movies. No, that's true. Now he now Tarantino has sort of given himself an out because he said Yeah, he might do the Star Trek one, but the Star Trek wouldn't count because it's not an original script that he would develop. So he's like i'm going to do 10 but 10 like scripts that i wrote or at least you know an original property so to speak so he might be doing more and, and again there's debate over whether kill bill volume one or two are really two separate movies or really j- or should be considered as one so
1: and there's something you know maybe of a kill bill volume three in the future oh my gosh oh my god
0: that would be amazing that, that would be <laughs> absolutely amazing make it happen make it so make it so <laughs> Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm a huge Tarantino fanboy. Um, I I really... His sweet spot for me is the Kill Bill to Inglorious Bastards to Django Unchained. uh, Like, like that suite of movies in that time period. I do appreciate
1: uh, Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs. Jackie Brown is really... um come on strong i think in the last couple of years Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i've heard people talking about it you know in the build-up to to once upon a time in hollywood and and there was a poll on a podcast that i love uh film spotting and they were asking what the best movie of tarantino's is since pulp fiction Mm -hmm. and and all of the people that were on the pod at the time agreed that it was jackie brown yeah
0: that's interesting yeah, it's it is interesting. I can't quite get there. Is I again? I I feel Tarantino's best movies are the ones with focus, um, because all the movies have his flair to it, his writing flair, his directorial style. But the ones with focus really move the the I movie mean, along in a really crisp, fa- fashion, crisper yeah. fashion,
1: I should say. Jackie Brown stands out because it's he actually didn't write it. It's 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 an Elmore Leonard uh, script. Correct. Right. So. Right. Yeah. yeah kinda, so. Yeah.
0: So, I, and again, I pre- so, and again, this is this is a bit of a hot take for Tarantino fans. I, I, Pulp Fiction is sort of down on my list for me because um, mm. I, I think that's sort of the least amount of focus um, <laughs> out of all of his movies. So it's just it's just a little too meandering for me. And I get I, I get why it's popular. It's the dialogue. It's some really iconic scenes.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And it,
0: it was truly original and at characters. the time it came out. Characters too, I I get it. And again, I it is not a bad it is. It's a very good movie. It's just on my personal list. It's just it's not up there with his with with some of the with some of his other movies. And, um, and
1: Reservoir Dogs, like what an what a <laughs> what a first film, you know? <laughs> right, right. Man, yeah,
0: yeah. So like, I, I again. It, I didn't see Reservoir Dogs for the first time until probably ten years ago, so well after yeah. it came out. And I wish I saw it at the time because like as the time it came out, because my mind would have been just been blown
1: to right. smithereens like, what is this? You know, as you know, again, there's yeah. nothing like it, you know, at the time. And, right? and I I believe he also wrote True Romance. Yes. That was a script. Yeah. Did, did he have another script? Um, he like, wrote um Dusk Till
0: Dawn, I believe.
1: Uh yeah, did he or did he just star in that? Is there? I feel like there's another writing credit. Yeah, so he also did Natural Born Killers too. Yeah, for that.
0: Once upon a time. So, based on what we can discern from the trailer and from some early reviews—not early reviews, or really reviews, reviews now—I think there's, we're almost at 100 reviews now on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie's looking like it's going to be more along the Jackie Brown, Pulp Fiction um, genre in terms of its. Very, it's on the talky side of the spectrum of his movies. Oh. Uh, there's not a clear. There's there's certainly not, you know, a, re- a revenge story or a plot centric movie like Django was, like *Glorious Bastards* and *Kill Bill* Volume One and Two. So, it's going to be interest. So, I'm curious about the audience reception to it. I'm not talking about the hardcore QT fans. Like, they're they're gonna if it's 92% Rotten Tomato. If, yeah. if it's like Jackie Brown, who you know, many fans regard as the best one. They're gonna love it. I'm curious about the more casual QT fans who maybe became more aware of him during the Kill Bill and Glorious Faster Django, you know, kind of. Right. Things. Those were his biggest box office movies. Right. Uh, outside yeah. of Fiction, if you adjust for inflation. So I'm I'm curious how it plays, especially considering the star power that's involved. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I am too. I I think uh, I think we were talking about this. Uh, a couple of months ago on, on Facebook, uh, Messenger. Mm-hmm. And I think, we, I, I think I stumbled across, like, there's a, a little bit of a corollary between uh, what his production budget is and also what his, what his box office ends up being with the last few movies.
0: Yeah, I think the budget would probably have to be pretty tied to the stars. I mean, because, for example, like this movie, DiCaprio has to be commanding a pretty hefty salary it to be Probably. This, and, and you know, margot robbie and i think to a lesser extent brad pitt i think brad pitt would be pretty happy to be in this movie um because he you know truly enjoys playing these type of eccentric roles right uh, so yes yeah, so
1: i'd be interested but, in that and again again yeah.
0: you have the stars you're going to bring in more box office so i mean they
1: should yeah go. i just i remember like I, I think the hateful eight had a a fraction of the budget of uh inglorious bastards and uh Django Unchained.
0: Yeah, but again, and, and, th- there's no Leo. Yeah. There's no Leo in it. The biggest star was Samuel Jackson, you know. So, and yeah, he probably he probably commanded a decent uh, salary for leading role, but there wasn't there wasn't the star power um, as we had then. Um, and I, I can't imagine Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction having big budget because again, they, they oh no, see- no,
1: they were a fraction. Like yeah. once it once it gets to Kill Bill, is where it starts to you start <laughs> right. to see a difference. Right,
0: and interestingly, so I want to review the box office for Quentin Tarantino movies. So again, this is adjusted for inflation. So number one is Pulp Fiction. So so Pulp Fiction is the only one to break two hundred million in the box office at two twenty eight point seven. Second was so, and then two through five are what I call the sweet spot. So second was Django at one hundred eighty four. That had star power and a killer hook, you know, to the plot. And yeah. so that did 184, followed by Inglorious Bastards*, um, which, you yeah, know, this biggest star was Brad Pitt at the time. And then as word of mouth grew about Christoph Waltz's performance, you know, that had that had a hook as well. That came in, that ended 145 million. Then there's a big drop. Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 or 4 and 5, and they're right around 100 million adjusted for inflation. Kill Bill Volume 1 was 104, Kill Bill 2 was 96. I do want to say I've seen a bunch of Quentin, I've seen a bunch of uh best QT lists from you know podcasts like you know film spotting and others. Kill Bill volume two is very underrated, underrated, um, yeah. Oh my god, like it would be it would be my top three for sure. I, I think <laughs> I think I think my one would be Inglorious Bastards, and I think two is Kill Bill volume two. It's,
1: like that is, it's kind of kind of feel like he's almost like the Coen brothers. Where there, he has so many good movies mm-hmm. and great movies that, that really, like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, you know? Like, with the Coens, like, maybe you're like me, and Lebowski's your, your favorite Coen Brothers movie, and somebody else that's right. Fargo, somebody else that's No Country for Old Men. Yeah. There's not necessarily a wrong answer among those, you know?
0: There's not, and I, I get why volume one, like, volume one... I love volume one too, but volume one's very different than the second volume, which is, I think you can defend it being two separate movies, because volume one has a lot of allusions to the martial arts movie, you know, sort of the throwback kung fu movie. Volume two is much more character based, Western. Yeah, and, and again, that's not to say it's better than that because of it, but it's just, they've it, it got some really terrific performances from uh, pretty much all of the actors um, in, in that role and some just I mean the great the graveyard scene where she's being buried alive is just mm. unbelievably good. Uh, still gives me kind of chills the way he shot it, you know, in terms of you know her being you know the light slowly slowly disappearing and yeah. you know, and the way it's shot totally dark as the dirt's being piled on her. so anyway, th- anyway, I didn't did want to get that in there about volume two. you got love for you got love from me, all right.
1: So uh, I love them too. Yeah, yeah. If I had time, I, leading up to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would have I would have done a retrospective and gone through all of his movies.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm But so Jackie Brown, we've talked about a lot. You know, arguably many consider his best movie at 76 million adjusted for inflation. Then we have Hateful Eight, 56.6. And then Grindhouse, which I don't think Tarantino gave a damn whether that did box office revenue or not. He was just no. going to do it because
1: you know he just he wanted yeah it. that was a that was a whole flex on his part.
0: <laughs> so yeah. that was so that did thirty two point eight million, and then uh, Reservoir Dogs is ninth. That had a very small opening, so it only did like six million, you know, in total. Yeah. But uh, so 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 his top movies are ones that are pretty that have a. This is, I don't mean this the way it sounds, but it has a purpose to it. Like there's a very clear plot, and you know, there are revenge movies basically. And okay. so, so we'll see. So it's an interesting. So we'll it'll be interesting to see where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fits in here. Um, so I think you and I have some differing opinions on that, and even some of the forecasters have <laughs> some differing opinions on that. Yeah. um uh, we'll say, we're we're going to save that. We'll save that to our predictions until uh, we get into that. Um, let's see. Are we ready to do See, Don't See? Sure. Okay. For those of us joining us for the first time, See, Don't See is a way for us to quantify our interest in the movies we're about to see. It's not enough for us to say, oh, are you interested in seeing uh, this movie or we're not interested. We're going to break it down into several categories, categories based on the actors or actresses in the movie, the directors involved, uh, plot concepts, and uh, and we rate from negative three to positive three our interest in seeing <clears> the <throat> Ken, are
1: you ready? I, 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 I am. I feel like uh, going forward, we should have like a a, a drop for this <laughs> segment. And that, that's that just like, you know, that <laughs> no, this I, I, like it. is. And then that, like, you know how like in commercials <laughs> on like the radio or whatever, they have the guy talking really fast about like, you know, do not blah, 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 blah uh it, it should be something like that with with explaining the rules for a c don't see
0: well no but see at the end of the year i want to do a smash cut of all of my different explanations for <laughs> how the game works so you know it'll be it'll be fun uh okay okay number three one win. i'm gonna open with the director quentin tarantino three See, don't see yep <laughs> i am a three as well three. yep that's the that's the easiest layup
1: <laughs> <laughs> that we've done yet all right leo dicaprio <clears throat> Ah, uh, so this is interesting. I like, I'm a three on Leo now, and you before Do tell. I, uh, I, I have been for about, uh, the last decade. But before that, I was really out on him. Really, and it, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't until The Departed, um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and ever since then, I've been all in on Leonardo DiCaprio. Um mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. All the movies up until the departed to me kind of felt like he was a young kid playing playing dress up as a grown up. Yeah. yeah. Like that was the first movie that I felt like he he actually felt like age appropriate for like the 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 adult role that he was doing.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. He I think I should pull up his IMDB, but if I had to say
1: that I hadn't seen The Aviator. Uh, until well after I saw um the departed, and I thought he was very good in that mm-hmm. so although maybe that's just like you know after the fact like seeing him in a new light for a long time, I just dismissed him as the uh the you know the guy from Titanic yeah you know, sure absolutely. and Romeo and Juliet so departed was two thousand two thousand six i think
0: yeah two thousand
1: six yeah.
0: It was before they had the aviator catch me if you can gangs of new york yeah
1: gangs of new york i, I didn't
0: really buy him in right yeah it was it was a little early for him yeah yeah uh, it was slightly yeah man in the iron mask yeah. and then titanic yeah i agree i you know the departed i think is the turning point because after that you get blood diamond body yeah. of lies shutter mm-hmm. island which was sort of the is still, a sort of a controversial performance. I, I I still can't decide if he was awesome or just uh, chewing the scenery uh, much in, in that. I can't. I can do me. both. It could. You no, know, it truly could. <laughs> Inception, which he, that was, I guess Inception was probably his first. I can't
1: say it's not his first.
0: His first since Departed, where it's sort of. Eh, you know, I'm gonna take that back.
1: Do you know what? Inception was. Inception was his first summer blockbuster. Yeah, that was what I was
0: searching for. Yeah, I was gonna Which say something else, but you're, you're right. It.
1: Yeah, no, it really for is. For all of the all the hits that he all the, you know, you know, Titanic made right. like six hundred something million dollars. Yeah, but that came out in in December. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so this that was the first. I remember that distinctly. That was his first release in in like the heart of summer in a big blockbuster action movie, and yeah. he, he totally belonged.
0: Yeah, no, agree, agree. He was. That was yeah, yeah. He he killed that role uh, as Cobb, um, yeah. and all the intricacies. After that, there's Jay Edgar, then then which whatever fine. Yeah, that's working <laughs> with Eastwood. Yeah, Django Unchained, which
1: he was fantastic. Again, Qu- our because I think he he worked with Tarantino because he wanted to be in Inglorious Bastards, correct? Like he wanted the Christoph Waltz role, but he he
0: he wanted it. I heard the studios wanted him, but he turned it down
1: again. I could be. I think he was committed to something else. Yeah, Yeah. boy, I'm. Boy, I'm so glad he didn't play (laughs) Khan Zonda. That did not belong to him. But he was he was like he was determined to work with with uh, Tarantino.
0: No, Calvin Candy's a much was a much much better role for him and. Mm. I still, I mean, the the dinner the dinner scene at at the Candy Land. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when he smashes the skull and, and cuts his hand uh, and keeps rolling. That's just an unbelievable scene for both Leo uh, and, and Quentin Tarantino, for that matter. Yeah. And then after that, we have Great Gatsby, <clears> Wolf <throat> of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street, to me, is his is best performance, even better than Calvin Candy. Yeah. Um, yeah it's that's just a tour force like that's really like is. the perfect yeah the perfect leo performance i don't know if anybody else could have done that um it's the way really he did. larger
1: than life it's amazing
0: yeah the revenant he won for which he shouldn't have won for but whatever it's hollywood yeah. He should have won for
1: wolf of wall street you, you really guys rarely win for the movie that they should <laughs> win for right
0: right so yeah no i think um i think the departed is a good i think that's a correct uh, statement that's sort of the turning <clears> point in his career so making a long story short you are a three you used to be a zero maybe a negative one now you're a three uh i am a three as well on leo uh, i wish so leo's obviously being more choosy with his roles now because you know he's arguably i can't call him the biggest hollywood star but he's probably the biggest actor star hey like dwayne johnson i think is what's that
1: he might be yeah make the argument
0: yeah um i think he's one of the true openers left uh, so in Hollywood, so I just went yeah. – given that he's being so choosy, like, I this is not the role I would want him to do, like, sort of playing a washed-up actor in 1960s, 70s Hollywood. I don't know. That's not – Fascinating. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm sure he'll be great. <clears throat> I mean, the clip from, with him with the gun – by his head, you know, move to tears after, you know, <laughs> to the girl says I'm the
1: little girl says, "You're really good." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, just, uh, it's, it's perfect,
0: Leo, being Leo, and I wouldn't want anything else. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, yeah. Mark Margot Robbie. Oh, I'm a three. Three, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just leave it at that <laughs> uh yeah we're three for three i'm a three on her as well um any actress that can make something out of suicide squad and she was yeah. by far the best part of that movie yeah um is she so was good the director. best
1: part of hitch
0: she was the best part of what
1: hitch with uh hitch. with will smith Margot robbie was a like, hitch yeah what part uh, the female really really part. No, it that was her no, he first he, movie. No, that's Eva
0: Mendes. Who's in
1: Hitch. No. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, you're wrong. I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. She'd like uh, She's
0: like 10 years old.
1: It was, Focus. <laughs> no. Focus.
0: Here's IMDb After Wolf of Wall Street. Family Guy The Quest for Stuff video Games, Sweet Francois. Uh, Z for Zechariah, Focus. Oh, it's so, focus, focus. focus. Oh, oh I,
1: th- I thought you were telling me to focus. focus. No, I thought you were no. telling me to focus.
0: That's why. I'm like, I'm trying here. All right, I'm going
1: <laughs> Yeah, she was the best part of Focus, which is oh. not a great movie. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, I'm talking about a forgettable movie. Mm. I didn't even
1: and arguably the best part of the big short is her explaining <laughs> uh, how something works um, <laughs> financially uh, when she's, you know, sitting in a bubble bath. <laughs> it's hilarious yeah no she
0: is uh, absolutely probably the biggest rising star I would have said Jennifer Lawrence was the biggest uh, female rising star I think it's hands down uh, Margot Robbie at this point she already has her own production company uh, which means she can start kind of calling some of her shots she's obviously got a next Harley Quinn movie coming out and uh, I think whatever she wants to do you, know, she, you know, the she can do so I'm a three in her as well so we're three for three okay
1: Brad Pitt Brad Pitt, um, um, yeah, I'm out of three as well. Really? Okay. But, We're going to yeah.
0: disagree on this. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like it, so So I like him more in supporting roles these days. Um, okay. I, I I think he's fine as a leading role. I just I don't think his choices as a leading man have been great. Um, I,
1: I think this is a supporting role. Techn- or, I don't yeah. know, maybe it's Yay. a co-lead.
0: No, no, I'm not saying this isn't. I'm just, I'm just talking about my general feelings about Brad. Yeah, about um, I get. You. Yeah, so I think in more, so in more supporting roles, he's obviously more allowed to do more weirder things. I think he has to play a little bit straighter, you know, in leading roles. Uh, I, I'm not a three. So I'm just not rushing out to see him. I'm at least a one. One. I'm a one. I'm one.
1: The okay. One. Okay. Uh, he's done. A... He's definitely done some more interesting or. Er, more yes. diverse stuff in the last like decade than no question than in previous decades.
0: I'm am still remembering Meet Joe Black when I'm making my oh name.
1: no 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 no. <laughs> I mean, he's he's in you know this decade Tree of Life, Money Ball, yeah. Killing he, Them Softly, yeah. World War Z, yeah. The Counselor, yeah. Twelve Years a Slave, yeah. Fury, Big Short. Let's see, World War Z.
0: World War Z is a great example of you know he. he He's kind of played a typical like 2000s Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt performance. Yeah. You know, whereas, you know, the other movies you mentioned. Fury, have,
1: have you seen Fury?
0: No, I did not. Fury's no. a great war movie. Yeah,
1: I've heard. I've heard it's very
0: good. Very good. Okay, so you're three on one. Okay, all you know about the movie is it's about vintage Hollywood. Uh, that's all you know about the movie <laughs> is that the premise? it's about vintage Hollywood. See, I
1: exactly. I know, ex- well, first of all, before I say what I am, I'm gonna say that you're a negative three on that. <laughs> I know you. You're all, you are completely out on movies that are about movies.
0: You know, maybe you
1: should just do this for me then. I don't, I'll, I'll
0: just sit back and uh, you can score my categories. And there. you're, and you're a, right. I am a minus. And you I am a
1: minus. I do it. Minus. I I'm a three, three. You're a minus three. You're a three. How many movies do we need about vintage Hollywood? How many? But it's Oscars not just movies? about vintage Hollywood. It's the it's the '60s. It's <laughs> it's it's Charlie Manson.
0: I understand. no. I, I understand. I did this category is not that it's only about. Just it's. A right. year, maybe I should slightly rephrase. it. that it's a key premise of the movie. Well, I
1: mean, vintage. Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. So so vintage Hollywood or whatever. I I, I do find that stuff fascinating. Uh, Probably because I I love movies, but um, I, I, I think I think vintage Hollywood in the '60s isn't necessarily like that. Um, I don't know; it ha- hasn't been explored as much, or maybe I just haven't seen the right ones.
0: Yes, we know Hollywood was great back then. Oh, yes, where dreams are born. Yeah, we got it. On, we got
1: but it. like I mean, come on! Like some of the biggest movies of all time came out in the in the. In the late 60s. Yes, around I watched the
0: Oscars this year where they said it. Last year, this said the same thing. I watched all the Oscars. Okay. <laughs> are, are you done? Are you done, <laughs> Mr.
1: Negative 3? All
0: right. You're positive 3. I'm negative 3. Okay. Uh, moving along. Next. Uh, all I you know about the movie is a uh, key part of the premise is it's featuring someone past his prime coping to new realities. Uh, this is actually uh, oh. Oh Fairly frequent genre of movies, or at least a pop I, I like these. Yeah. I like
1: okay. a lot of these kind of movies where you got a guy that, uh, you know, the wrestler comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, either guys that are, yeah, moving into, like, a different phase of their lives. and, yeah, and
0: trying to deal with the fact, either trying to reclaim... Nostalgia, or trying to or figure come out to the grips with
1: the fact that they don't have it anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. there's
1: been plenty of movies about it. And this Rocky kind
0: of, Balboa. Yeah, that's another one.
1: Yep. <laughs> I, I think I'm. I, you know what? I'm not going to go three on this. Okay, I'm, I'm about two. to
0: say, I'll just, you know, <laughs> just
1: why don't you just camp out at the movie
0: theater right now. I think that's the way you're scoring this,
1: I just might. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go two on that one. Two on that one. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm at least a one. Um, I don't know about a two. I, I'm a one. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a very strong one. I hmm. agree. I think it's a fascinating. Um, you know, it's it's a great vehicle to be introspective about life choices and you know how we deal with life changing and yeah, uh, most um, of the movies like awesome. and most of the movies I can think of do very well treat it very well. So it's usually they're usually good movies. Next, uh, all you know about the movie is. It's about the Manson murders, but only tangentially. So again, it's just kind of like on the side. It's like a side plot, maybe we don't really know, you know. But it's the Manson murders are involved, like in the plot. See, I'm a
1: three, three. Okay, three. Yes, the 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 Manson family is endlessly fascinating to me. (laughs) It's one of those true crime things that I, I would recommend uh, everybody go listen to. I think it's season two of the podcast. You must remember this, where nice. they go like, they spend like eight episodes, or maybe ten, like just diving into everything Manson family. Wow, and yeah. it's, it's amazing.
0: If it was a more, if I knew it was a more, if the movie was just about it, I think I'm at least a two. If it's tangential. Um, I wonder why it was tangential. I guess I I'll be fair. i would be a two. I'm a, I'm a two on this. You're like, a two. Yeah, embrace it. You, you said you're a three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all you know is Bruce Lee, not the actual Bruce Lee, but a character. Uh, the character Bruce Lee is involved in the movie. See or don't see.
1: Uh, I do like some of the most of the Bruce Lee movies I've seen. Um, I'll, I'll put that at a one. One. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he doesn't move the needle for me. I'm a zero. I like, nah, Bruce Lee, whatever. Von Dom's better. Uh, Von Dom could kick uh, Bruce wow. Lee. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> last <laughs> cat, last category. Uh, uh, all you know is the movie features a famous actor who is who recently uh, passed away. You know, so. So, obviously, the actor filmed the movie, and then they passed away before the movie uh, came alive. We're talking about Luke Perry, in this instance. Uh, oh, right. Of the movie. But uh, it could be, a, you know, you don't know it's Luke Perry. Just, you know, there's been instances mm. before, obviously, with Heath Ledger. Heath and, Ledger, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a famous one. A couple other ones, I think. Um, Peter O'Toole, right? There's a couple movies like that. And there's been other examples.
1: Yep. Um, uh, uh, Robin Williams, they released. Robin you know, Williams. posthumously. For crying out loud, um, uh, Sopranos guy, oh, James Gandolfini, yep, James Gandolfini, yep. Um,
0: yeah, so exactly. and
1: uh, yeah, a couple yeah, so of those.
0: They, the movies rarely say, Oh, it's his last movie, check it out, but they they make sure you know, you know, it's starring right. them in a conspicuous fashion,
1: yeah. I'd, I'd say that's probably like a, a one for me, yeah, yeah, um,
0: uh, depend, yeah, so obviously, I mean, it really
1: <laughs> depends on the actors, <laughs> yeah,
0: of course, but uh, now so one for me too now the fact that it's luke perry does that move the needle for you at all like as not last not
1: really yeah. uh, i was never like a 90210 guy <laughs> right right that was uh yeah i was like just young enough that i wasn't watching that when it got super popular and then by the time i was old enough it was it was kind of like past its prime as a show okay so so, yeah. let's tally up the scores. We had
0: nine categories. Uh, Ken, I'm surprised if you're not taping this from the theater itself. Uh, you have a 22. Might be. You have 22 over nine categories. That's an average of two point, about 2.5. <laughs> I mean, geez, why did you just get a room with, uh, with this movie and, you know, uh. close the curtains and whatever. Uh, I'm an 11. I'm an 11, so I'm a solid, you know, one average one per category. So, Is yeah, this definitely.
1: both of our highest scores for any movie? <laughs> Um I think I'm just, game was I'm higher just I'm, I'm just happy years. I'm just happy that you're in the positives. <laughs> for once
0: I mean, actually, I've been in the <laughs> positives before.
1: I'm just <laughs> I'm more I'm a little more
0: measured. a little more measured than But than the years. double digits? <laughs> well nine guys. I mean yeah. Yeah. Um I only have one bonus question and then I have a couple questions from uh, the audience uh, that they wanted us to answer. oh so, we got audience participation. Yeah, a little audience participation. All right. Uh, So my only bonus question here was if DiCaprio was not involved in this movie, let's say they cast like Brad Pitt in DiCaprio's role and they cast someone competent, someone interesting in, in the stunt double role. Does that change your interest uh, in seeing this at all? No. No, not one at all. No. I think it does for me. Um, A little bit, a little bit. I mean, I'm still a QT fan. I would go see it, but it's like, if it's Pitt in that role, it's like, okay, I've kind of seen Pitt, you know, I kinda of know what he's about. And I know he does some he, he's a nuanced actor, but um and there's still some draws for me. I think Margot Robbie's still a draw, um, and the Manson Murders and stuff, but it does take it down a notch for me in terms of my, my passion for seeing if he's not involved. So
1: Yeah, for me if there, it's Quentin Tarantino, that's all that I need all I need to know. Okay.
0: Okay, so we have we have a couple audience questions. So again, if you have any questions for us as it deals with see don't see bonus questions or just any question in particular, you can email us at onstagebop at gmail.com. That's onstagebop at gmail.com. Uh we have two questions. Uh this is these are just general questions about uh Quentin. Well one's about Quentin Tarantino. This is from Chris in Virginia. Uh, guys, what genre or era would you want to see Tarantino cover for his tenth and final movie?
1: Hmm. Hmm. I wish I had gotten this in advance. <laughs> fair, <laughs> this fair, enough. In fair enough.
0: Fair enough. I'll, I'll <laughs> answer it. I'll, I'll so answer, go answer. ahead. So, I really want to see Tarantino do a horror movie. Um, I mm. would really want to see him do a gothic horror movie. I was very... Um, Guillermo del Toro you know, did it with Crimson I was going to say Crimson Tide um, Was it's Red Crimson what's, what was that gothic horror you did? oh Crimson Peak Crimson Peak yeah which I was really excited for it's been a long time since we got a really good one and it just sort of fell flat there were some really cool moments of it but overall I think Tarantino I, I, I think he would kill a horror movie and again I mean, this is sort of I think he probably wouldn't do one because this is sort of a rebirth of the horror genre and it feels like his time to do it was probably in the 2000s, early 2000s when no one was doing it right uh, for the most part. Right. So, I would still just in a vacuum, I I'd want to see him do a horror before he goes,
1: but before he retires. Okay. So, this is genre or or decade? Is that what he's
0: Yeah, so like you, you could pick. I'm interpreting that to mean like if you wanted to see him do like a movie from the the like the Renaissance era, you know, or some or or yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I guess hmm, I don't know about genre because I think he would he would kill anything that he did. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, just off the top of my head, I'd probably want to see something from either in the '80s or in the 20s or like you know like great depression era or like right in the heart of like you know the the 80s have we had
0: like a great a movie that takes place in the great depression like during the great depression and about the great depression
1: i don't know he could do something like really not not bonnie and clyde per se but something Mm. in that vein uh, and really probably just hit it out of the park
0: okay. I will say I do not want him to end on Star Trek I, I'm, not even, oh. I'm not even sure I even want to do Star Trek at all uh, but I definitely don't want him to end on Star Trek uh, I'm still sort of wrapping my mind around him writing and directing Star Trek so I'll um, have some more yeah. fuller thoughts on that another time Yeah. Uh, another question from Mike in Long Island thank you for writing in He's asking, I'm going to paraphrase this slightly, in 20 years, do we think the director is going to go the way of the baseball manager, meaning studios are going to exert more control over the direction of the movie and the director is just going to be there as sort of like a, um, a studio stand-in, you know, sort of a, a proxy uh, for the studio heads. That's,
1: That's a it. It's
0: a very good question. I yeah. think... Th- I think for blockbusters, absolutely. I don't see directors going by the wayside at all. Certainly for wow. Oscar winners, or even just a smaller, you know, kind of movie. Uh, I yeah. think some are blockbusters. If we're not there already,
1: <laughs> we'll be there soon. Um, yeah, I but, think you're going to see. You're still going to see a lot of micromanaging, and probably see that increase. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and- I think that and I think the nice thing about Hollywood is there there's a lot of I think really interesting aspiring, you know, on the come directors. So I don't think we're in a shortage of directors that you know really have an interest that know how to work the craft. So I agree. I, I think that's a difference like getting to sports just for a moment. So like we're definitely there in baseball. Like there's just there's just no true classic managers anymore. It's all managed by the front office these days. I yeah, think we're gonna get there in football eventually. Um, I think after like Belichick retires, after Pete Carroll retires, like there's only like four good. You felt like football. don't put Pete Carroll
1: and Bill Belichick's in the same breath.
0: Oh yes, we know Belichick's <laughs> god. Yes, yes, we know. I'm just. I, I think there are four you know good football coaches left. Right. And the rest are just, you know, stool pigeons, basically. So I think once they yeah. go, I think we're going to see that in football, too. Basically, we're like, the general manager is going to call the plays and stuff. I mean, I mean there's always going to be coordinators, but in terms of strategy, and it's going to be dictated from above.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, I think with, with the, the, the interesting thing to look at with directors is how many of them stick with movies. Because there's, everybody's mm. moving to television.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's a good yeah, point. And,
1: and and miniseries, if not like multiple seasons, yeah. Because there's so much creative freedom to do to do whatever they want. Like you have AMC and FX and HBO and Showtime and and all these channels. And there's there's literally like hundreds of new shows or, or shows coming out every season on on this the most random channels like. A new series on the History Channel or or wherever, and it's just they have so much creative license to just yeah they a just hand, they just hand it over to them and they and the series just and the, the network just says do what you want,
0: right? And I think the networks want the next Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, and there's so many networks right. and there's so many streaming right. there's networks.
1: There's Netflix and Amazon and and Hulu and. Whereas, and whereas in the movie Lost side, is
0: they're they're. They've already decided what kind of movie they're gonna make. It's gonna be, you know, on yeah. IP and it's gonna be these franchise sequels and reboots right. and they just want a director that can kind of <laughs> yeah, fulfill their vision, cater to the international market, and, et cetera,
1: et cetera. Yeah. Unless you're like Christopher Nolan that can make whatever you want. Right. Like, right. You almost have to like <laughs> you almost have to be like some of the actors sometimes where like they, they make a movie for the studio and then they make a movie for themselves. Right. You know. Yeah. And you have to like keep bouncing back and forth, so yeah, there's a lot of interesting factors for directors going forward.
0: So, thank you. For, so, good questions, thank you for oh, writing in. Questions. Uh, yeah, in, in again onstagebop at gmail.com, uh, to get your questions, we'll take a look at them and, um, That's and cool, we'll, answer, we'll answer them as long, you know, as long as you know, no profanity and just get to the point, you know, and stuff, so. yeah. We're busy. We're very busy. We're very busy uh, watching. I'm very busy watching, you know, JCBD movies. So I can't be bothered with long-winded uh, questions. Okay, uh, let's do Rotten Tomato reviews. Uh, so again, right now we're still at 92 percent for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, reviews are pretty glowing. Uh, we're going to read a couple here for you. Uh, we're going to read Katie Walsh again, uh, my new favorite critic from the tri- the Tribune News Service. She gave it three out of four. Uh, stars it's tarantino coping with a changing world pretending he can preserve something in amber where pretty girls are just pretty girls and heroes stay heroes forever so that was a three out of four uh review from her Uh, we also have peter travers from rolling stone tarantino's all star fantasia links hollywood and manson era violence into the best and most explosive cinema we've seen all year you can yeah. feel Tarantino's mad love for movies and all their dis, uh, disreputable, dazzle, and subversive art in every shot. That's four and a half out of five stars. Um, Richard Roper from Chicago Sometimes. He's he's actually one of my personal favorite critics. Uh, in certain elements of tone and structure, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has echoes of Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, but it is alive and electric with a beat all its own. That's been sort of a common tone in other reviews that this is definitely, again, more along the lines of Pulp Fiction Jackie Brown, um, which it just is just for expectations. Um, that's all. The one negative review I'll read from what to, Jeffrey Lyles from Lyles Movie Files. Tarantino has always favored a hyperverbal style, and more is so much... And more is so much more sense of filmmaking, but it makes this tale of 1960s Hollywood one of his most frustrating efforts. That was a four oh. out of 10. View. Okay. Let's get to some predictions. So tracking is around 30 million uh, for this, which puts it right around sort of the average box office opening. If you adjust for inflation uh, for his movies, uh, box office.com uh, they lowered their forecast lately, but they're still in the high 40s uh, for this, so they're definitely more bullish on this. Ken, I know uh, you're bullish on the opening uh, for this. Do you want to get into uh, your reasons
1: uh, why you think you're, uh,
0: you're bullish?
1: Well, again, like I, I said earlier in the pod, like I, I took a look at the movies where he has a, a budget of $100 million or more, and all of those performed... Uh, reasonably well, and and made over a hundred million dollars. Uh, so I think, um, and of course, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But uh,
0: yeah, I mean, well, we recited the box office numbers, you know, earlier. And this has a significant yeah, budget. Um,
1: it does. So I and, and I think it's more than than just the money that they're paying to, you know, DiCaprio and Pitt and and Robbie as as the stars. Um, Compared to, you know, what they're paying Samuel L. Jackson or whatever for uh, the Hateful Eight, so I, I expect this to uh, do pretty well.
0: So, do you have a prediction? Go you make your uh, forecast. Uh, forty-four million. Forty-four. Okay. So that's lower. Than, you were talking about fifty million before uh, no offline was. offline on this podcast, but uh, all right. So you come down to forty-four. I am so i'm I'm probably mildly bullish compared with the tracking um, but I'm not as bullish as you i here's what I'll say on your side. so I have noticed very anecdotally general excitement for this movie. I think there's excitement for the era it's portraying. I think <laughs> one of my friends was just saw Le- the part of the trailer of Leo dancing with whoever on that 60s set and she was like oh i'm so excited you know she got like <laughs> getting it back because she loves that era so but i think there's excitement at leo um and what this movie looks like you know again leo and pitt is a good combination yep. and i think there is some excitement for that on the other hand again i'm not I'm, I'm getting a similar kind of gut as i did with hateful eight and again they're very different movies so i'm not equating the two but just in terms of you know, is is there a plot hook that's going to draw the casual, non QT hardcore fans to the theater to see this? And I, I'm, and I'm not talking about total box office because I think this will have decent word of mouth. You know, if it's good, it's got a good word of mouth. We're just talking about the opening. You know, people going out to see it this weekend. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just not quite there. I'm not as as much as Leo can cry with the gun next to his head. I don't think that's enough. I. I think this is gonna be a little bit on this again. I'm I'm going a little bit north of 30 because I still believe in Leo as an opener. I'm gonna go 35
1: million as Here's here's my one question. Yep. We've we've seen um, a lot of sequels underperform this year. Yeah. Is there maybe something to be said for the fact that this is an original property? As opposed to another retread sequel or reboot.
0: Well, Stuber says hello um, at that (laughs) question. But
1: (laughs) okay, Stuber and I have the cachet of a Quentin Tarantino, Leo DiCaprio, and Brad Pitt. I know that Batista, Dave Batista, has been in the Guardians of the Galaxies movies, and and. Avengers, the last two movies I know, but it did eight it opened eight
0: million. million, (laughs) I mean eight million opening weekend. He's the fourth guardian of the galaxy. Yeah, so I think so no, no no it's a good it's a good point you're raising. I think the I think it's certainly a potential poll for the older audience. Um I think we do need to mention Lion King's presence. Oh yeah
1: second weekend, of
0: course. Yeah, so I mean that's no question going to be number one again this weekend. And it's going to yeah. do somewhere between 90 and hundred million, um, which is going to pull, you know, obviously the kid, the, the kids aren't deciding between Lion King or once upon a time in Hollywood, but the parents are for sure. You know, they want to take the kids to it. They can't see once upon a time or other family, you know, other family members. So, yeah, so there's a bit of, there's again, a, a, a bit of a get of a, a bit of pull, a give and take. We also can't forget Hobbs and Shaw coming out next week, um, so there could be some. I'm going to wait for that to come out and go see that. So it's yeah. it's an interesting spot
1: here. I think it's. I I I, I really hope that there's an audience for it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I mean, I think QT has a
0: built-in audience. I think. I mean, I yeah, think. I, I think. I think the his floor for this kind of movie with Leo is twenty-five. You know, I, I think that's in the summer. I, I think that's, oh. I, I don't see it going any, I don't think there's any scenario that goes lower than
1: that. That would be a huge disappointment. Um, a lot of advertising for this movie, mm-hmm. uh, the, the budget size for it, and also the star power and, and everything. You, like, should I? Was- just-
0: should I call? Should I rename uh, your title like chief budget uh, analyst? Given how many times you've invoked that this podcast. Well, no, I'm just saying you're no like on screen critic, you, uh, <laughs> on screen budget.
1: <laughs> if your budget for a movie is 100 million dollars, and it only makes 25, its opening weekend. Yeah, it's bad, and movies like, have, that's not that's not good. I mean, we can point to many movies
0: that have big budgets and they've lost a lot of money based on of. Right,
1: but show. I mean, it's. It, Quentin Tarantino has a slightly better track record than you know say simon kenberg of <laughs>
0: <laughs> no 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 Do we have to drag x-men uh dark phoenix into this?
1: <laughs> i'm sorry that was that was a cheap shot
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean he he has a record but but again like it's not like all his movies are you know um smashes box office smashes. no
1: but also and, they, they he doesn't often release movies in in the in the summertime either
0: no, he hasn't, and that needs to be said that this is the first, yeah, certainly the first July one. I think we had one other season. I think
1: he did Inglourious Bastards was like the first weekend of August.
0: Yeah, eight, August 21st, actually. I believe. Oh, oh, it was late August. Wow. That surprised me. I thought it was yeah. early August, too, but yeah, it was like August 20th. Um, and still did really well. So, yeah, no, so we'll find out. Um, again, I, I'm with you. I hope this does well. I mean, you have it on your fantasy movie you know, roster, yeah, so obviously I hope it does
1: well. hope it does okay <laughs> not great you know but uh, i mean you're probably gonna win so it's probably it, you don't <laughs> need to sweat this one
0: probably not but hey until we get to uh, august uh, august 31st i'll just uh, yeah. count, count the pennies uh yeah so speaking of which so that wraps up for this week um we close our summer season next week with hobbs and shaw uh movie we're very excited for it's very excited to break down yes um so after that we'll take we'll be taking a couple weeks off. We will be coming back with a fall movie preview um the week before Labor Day and then um and then we'll preview It Chapter 2 the week after that. And then we're going to kind of figure out the schedule a little bit. we will probably be coming back uh probably late September with Ad Astra I'm thinking, um which is hmm. yeah, you know, again, late Astra, the Brad that movie. Yeah, so but we'll it be taking really think- good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we will be taking a a summer vacation uh, uh, after Hobbs and Shaw for a few weeks. We got to hit the beach ourselves uh, too, and uh, so, um, so yeah. So there we have it. So, anything you want to plug, Ken? Uh,
1: yeah, we just did a uh, bonus episode where we talked about Comic Con. We did. Uh, Yes, a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. Uh, check that out uh it
0: is it has been released today we broke down several movies uh that made announcements over comic-con that either trailers yeah. or big or major movie announcements we spent a lot of time in the marvel movies uh we had chris peterson on he spent a lot of time breaking down cats uh, the Cats trailer <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody wants this i know <laughs> so check that out uh oh, yeah. yeah you can listen to that anytime and uh and Ken, you have a new piece coming out about uh, your top ten uh, movie moments or top uh, ten top movies? Top ten
1: movie highs. Movie highs, movies right. Movies where I left the movie theater uh, basically like euphoric, um, in an altered state of mind, or looking at the world differently mm-hmm. uh, based on my experience in the movie theater with a the movie. So,
0: Yeah, so check that yeah. out. So check that out. I
1: also got uh, the Lion King review, which I'm hopefully going to write tonight or tomorrow uh, in the morning. Okay. Uh, I haven't had much time to write. Uh, I haven't had a chance to write it since I saw it. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, thumbs in the middle. Okay. T- tending towards slightly down. It's okay. uh, yeah. The, the photorealism is great, but uh, the the lack of um, emotion kind of makes it a little soulless. Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that.
0: And check out onstageblog.com and on screen for lots of different content about theater and movies. Don't forget uh, for any podcasts uh, that you want covering any subject in theater movies, you can go right to the Onstage Blog uh, Podcast Network. There are over a dozen podcasts, um, close to a dozen at least, uh, that you can check out, uh, including Desperately Seeking Entertainment, Movie Musical Shakedown, and of course, Box Office Preview. All right, that's a wrap. Once again, uh, we'll be back next week to break down Hobbs and Shaw. Ken Jones, where can we find you on Twitter? KenJones81. You can find me at e 333 And again, uh, if you have any questions you want answered for next week's pod on Hobbs and Shaw, uh, see or don't see our bonus questions or any other topic uh, regarding the movies, email us at onstagebop at gmail.com. That's onstagebop at gmail.com. All right, for Ken Jones, this is Greg Earhart see you next week. Adios.